The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert, Layman Matt Goodwin, here with your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. We are joined by our special guest, Steve Paulo, creator of Stomper, Rasball contributor, and another guy with an awesome beard. We're going to talk projection systems, auction values, Shohei Otani, baseball god, score sheet baseball, and so much more. But before we get to all of that, Steve, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. Very excited to have you. Um, Alexander, how are things down in D.C.? Um, I'm just wilting under the expectation that this is going to be fun. Um, <laughs> otherwise, things are great. Is that too much pressure? Is that too much expectation? I, I think we always, have, always want to have fun, right? That's We're going to aim high for fun. And if we <laughs> land somewhere south, well, I blame, I'll blame Alexander. Um, I'm fine with that. I... Uh, for those of you listening at home, you don't have the visual of the Zoom, but I am recording in a totally new location this evening. So if there are strange noises happening in the background, like cars passing by, or I am not on location anywhere. Uh, I am just in a new location in my home recording this. You know, so. you really missed an opportunity here, Matt. You could have pretended to be on location. That would have been cool. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm here on vacation. Uh, no, no vacations. <laughs> no vacations for a little bit. Although I, I am double vaxxed at this point, which is exciting. That's nice. Congratulations. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the second one was not a lot of fun, but it was not awful. So it's totally worth doing. I would do it again tomorrow. Um, but it <laughs> definitely does. I, it, you, you get the sense that your immune system is functioning as it's supposed to. It, uh, it lets you know. Um, I have my uh, appointment for the uh, single dose JJ uh, vaccination coming up pretty soon. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, Ready to be able to go watch the Orioles lose in person at some point soon, or win in person, yeah. preferably. Well, but if they keep we'll playing the Red goes. Sox, they're going to win a lot. <laughs> that was painful. Uh, all right, so um, we are very lucky today to be joined by Steve Paulo, and uh, we're going to talk a, a lot about uh, projection systems and and uh, a lot of really cool baseball stuff. Um, but before we get started, I want to hit everybody with the bell ringer and and talk about Shohei Otani. And we can talk about really anything you want. I don't know if maybe some some significant stuff happened yesterday somebody might want to touch on. <laughs> uh, but I'll throw it out there. Jump in at, at will. Um, Steve, is Shohei Otani good? Uh, I've been told that. As an yeah. A's fan, <laughs> I, I actually don't recognize the talent of any particular member of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But supposedly, uh, he's not only good 
at the plate. Supposedly he's good on the mound too. That's what I've heard. I, I don't know. Rumors, <laughs> just rumors. Yeah, right, just rumors. I, you know, yeah. it's it's interesting for someone who like has kind of come of age as a baseball fan, like entirely in the Mike Trout era, um, <laughs> to like think about the Angels as a team that, that could ever attempt to be good successfully. Um, you know, it's really funny to think, you know, it's like, oh man, who's, who's in the rotation that's any good? Because he's been stuck like exclusively in the util spot and some of my fantasy teams, uh, even on ESPN platforms where like, you know, he's the maximum amount of fun. And I have, just haven't even thought of him as a pitcher. And then, you know, being able to start to do that again, um, really changes the calculus. At this point, um, Alex Cobb might be their sixth instead of their fifth starter or something like that. Um, <laughs> There's a whole lot of, I feel like, gross that just surrounds anything that I have to think about the Angels, just because, like, that's what they've taught us to think about them. <laughs> um, but it's just truly magical to me to be able to, like, know that there is appointment viewing baseball every six days that, like, I, I want to sit down and watch yeah. a particular pitcher. And, like, it's, like, an entirely different way of appointment viewing. You know, like, obviously, like, DeGrom Day or, like, Garrett Cole Day for some people is, like, a big deal. But this is, like, a whole different level. So I'm I'm so excited to be disappointed at some point. Um, that's kind of how I feel. What yeah, we- I think that uh, it's it's definitely interesting to see, um, like you're saying, kind of Trout. You know, has been this force and this 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 larger than life sort of element of MLB for so many years now. It's hard to think that he's only what like 31. Yeah. Like I mean, he, you know, ridiculous. <laughs> um, and and you know, they're finally building a team around him. Uh, Again, much to my chagrin, but uh, <laughs> but it is it is kind of fun to see, and just just as much as I um, you know hated to watch uh, Barry Bonds do his run when I was rooting against the Giants. Again, as an A's fan, kind of had to. Uh, it was still a lot of fun to watch, and there's 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 you know part of our uh, independent rooting or individual rooting. I think that takes a step back to being a baseball fan, and I think you're right. I think watching Otani pitch is part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, were either of you surprised that they actually had him hit and pitch in the same game? I think I would have been surprised if Joe Madden wasn't the manager. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Madden's the kind of guy that just does stuff and you go, <laughs> Oh, okay. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but you know, it's not like he's, he's not, I'm not saying he like makes bonehead moves or anything. Just, just he'll, he'll choose to do things that don't necessarily make sense that no other manager maybe would have chosen to do. And you kind of just have to roll with it. I um, remember when he was still managing the Cubs, the uh, Cubs visited uh, DC and I caught Sunday night baseball, um nats cubs game where he like threw a fit over sean doolittle's delivery where he like doesn't balk at all like it's very clear that he's like moving forward but his toe nearly dragged the mound or and i believe um who was it carl edwards jr had gotten in trouble for something pretty similar Mm. and so he like threw a fit essentially the first time that like doolittle threw a pitch and it's just like you knew he had chosen to do this and there was some part of me that's like I'm sure there are a lot of fans who are here who are like really surprised by this. Uh, and I guess I was a little bit, but at the same time, it didn't take long. Really. Like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I see what's going on here. He's not actually mad at the ump. He's not actually mad at Doolittle. He's just doing his thing. Yeah. Um, it's a and Madden thing. I like to get mad at managers, um, but I don't think I can bring myself to be like ever mad at him. And that makes some weird phonetic jokes if you want to <laughs> as well. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see all of the really strange things that are going to happen with the Angels organization over the next like two, three years. Um, and I'm just glad that they have some more Agents of Chaos there because that's really what they have going on. Um, also, I really want Shohei Otani to win the MVP, and that's a whole separate thing. So, well, he's he's got yeah. maybe two shots at it, right? I mean, right. it's it's crazy <laughs> if he keeps playing like he's been playing. That's uh, it's, really unreal. Is he going to like split votes with himself? That's what I want to yeah. know. <laughs> you know. Right? Do they have to vote for uh, for Otani the, the hitter or Otani the pitcher? That way, we have to decide whether we want to get points for his offense or his defense when he does both at the same time. I, I honestly have a feeling that that formats didn't even think it would happen. That right? I mean, like, who? What manager, except for Madden, maybe, is going to put him in to pitch and hit in the same game? Like, ah, oh, it'll never, never be an issue. Well, here we are. <laughs> um, but from a baseball fan standpoint, Steve, I think you, you make an excellent point and that's, you, you might root against it if, if he's on the, the team that you're playing against in fantasy, or if he's uh, playing for, for the team that, that, uh, is beating up on the one that you love, but just from a sheer fan of the game point of view, what an exciting thing to have happened. Yeah, if I give my druthers, it would be, you know, Mike Trout hitting grand slams and Otani striking out 15 against the Red Sox every single day. That would be great. Yeah, well, that, that. the season just started. <laughs> There's plenty of time for that. Um, I And I, I imagine that's probably within the realm of possibility. I, um, all right. Well, we're, we can't get too far into this episode with the creator of uh, Stomper Projections without bringing them up. And I'm going to do it under the context of our segment we like to call Number of the Week. Uh, and so uh, that number this week is number 77. Um, and why, the, the reason I bring this up, and, and stay with me here for a moment, it's going to take a, a small moment of explanation. Um, one of the things that I find really awesome, Steve, about the way that you have your, your rankings available and set up is it pre-highlights significant differences between uh, like existing ADPs and, and the projections that your system generates. Um, and so in this case, that number 77 is the difference of the ADP in the ranks for uh, Jordan Alvarez in your system, uh, 77 spots ahead of his ADP. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I bring that up as a segue into talk to us about Stomper. It's, it's very visually um, easy to navigate. Um, talk to us about how it got started. And, and this is your baby. Go ahead. Gush. Yeah, I just want to just on that specific number, I want to mention a few things that sort of factor into that. The ADP that I use on Stomper is a mean of Fantrax and NFBC ADP, but it's a little old now. I haven't updated in a while. So it's actually pre um, NFBC main event. Mm-hmm. So I'm not 100% sure where that would sit exactly now. Uh, the 11th rank is his value overall, um, sort of using a Z-score method to determine uh, using the five standard uh, rotisserie categories <laughs> where he would uh, where he would rank uh, and, and then deriving an auction value, potentially a salary cap value off of that. Um, so that's what those numbers, that's the 88 and 11, sort of how they factor mm-hmm. in. And uh, yeah, one of the main things I wanted to do when I created Stomper was call out the places where uh, it differed significantly from conventional wisdom. Stomper is actually my second projection system that I created. The first one is called Tomy, and uh, it is a team level projections. It's utilized for sports betting, not for fantasy. Mm, Um, But one of the main sort of values in it is 
where does it disagree with, and in, in this case, it wouldn't be common wisdom, but with sort of sports books expectations for a team. But that disagreement is kind of the whole point. Right. So I thought, well, if I take the same kind of attitude to Stomper, then when I project individual players and I start to, to value them uh, and, and, and give them these values, uh, I really wanted to call out, well, where, you know, ADP is basically, you know, the common wisdom, the wisdom of the crowds. It's the acceptance, uh, uh, the general acceptance of a player's ability. It's where they're being drafted. Right. So when there were significant, and by significant, I mean um, two plus rounds ahead or behind of the ADP, um, I'll also mark one full round ahead or to, uh, behind slightly differently. Um, but really it's the, the bright red and bright green. Yep. If it's bright yep. red, it's saying... Man, ADP is way higher on this than Stomper is. You should probably avoid this. is This is not the value you know that you're looking for. And then Green, real bright Green, is saying, you know that that the value Stomper believes this player will provide is significantly higher than where he's being drafted. And uh, and yeah, I just call that out there. So I, I feel like the first question I always have whenever I like hear about a projection system is like, what is it that you think you are doing differently than the crowd from like a guts? side mm -hmm. so if i'm going to compare you to i guess there's like a couple different like ways you can do these like and for those of you guys sitting at home who are like have never tried to do this yourself it's really hard by the way yeah. <laughs> kind of try to do it last off season it's really hard uh, but you know like if you're dealing with something that's kind of like steamer um it's going to be generally blind to the stat cast data but right. built on like rolling averages um you can actually like look up there's this thing called marcel the monkey projections which no one should use <laughs> but everyone can kind of learn from uh, where it basically just takes rolling three-year averages and then like weights them a little bit against like um like mlb averages and it kind of goes right. from there it's like you could teach an eighth grader to do mlb projections that way um right and then you have people like like the bat x which takes that same sort of thing but incorporates some cool stat gas data and then was really successful last year. And right. then there's like the third option where it's just like kind of punting coming up on your own player numbers and just taking everyone else and seeing how good they are at, at like projecting people and doing like a projections that are just weighted averages, but like with some extra pizzazz, which is kind of like ATC does. Yeah. So like f from a non-playing time, which is like the whole other wrench. <laughs> thing, <laughs> yes. What are you doing mathematically interestingly in your projection system? Um, so, after your glowing uh, uh, description there of Marcel, uh, I'll mention that that's actually where I started. It's not where it is oh, now, of course. but, yeah. but, but that's definitely where I started at just the, the kind of real raw idea of, of, of sort of, yeah, like, uh, waiting. And I still do some, you know, more recent data is weighted, uh, more highly than older data. Uh, yeah. but what I've chosen to do really is to try to break down player performance into sort of a per plate appearance. And that's both for pitchers and for hitters sort of stance. Um, we, I do some aging curves. There's a little bit of regression to the mean, but I found over time actually that removing that gives me like more confident sort of projections. Um, it was something that was definitely part of Stomper initially, um, and then seemed to sort of make all the projections boring. And I'd rather <laughs> let the system get a little wild every once in a while with, with a player and, and, and have something to stand on. So I do a little less of that. I don't do zero of it, but just it's, it's a much smaller component. Um, so really it's about, for me, it's about like finding peripheral stats that are, or, or not peripheral stats, like, like composite statistics that are, um, as predictive as possible. Uh, I think a good example, an example I usually use for this is, um, if you're familiar with Sierra or skill interactive ERA, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. yeah, it's been, it's been shown to be pro, you know, more predictive than, um, obviously past ERA, mm -hmm. but also more predictive than FIP or XFIP and a few other things. So, yeah. you, you know, sort of calculating that based on, you know, calculating everybody's sort of past Sierra when it comes to pitchers and, and, and then, you know, 
trying to project counting stats and seeing, well, what would the Sierra be for that? And then adjusting it so that those numbers line up. I do similar things with like batters with career BABIP and um, whiff rate and a few other things like that. So I'm not doing stat cast stuff. Like there's no barrels, launch angle, exit mm -hmm. velocity, spin mm -hmm. rate, none of that mm -hmm. stuff. I just don't have access to that data. What I do have access to is all of the sort of like, quote unquote, you know, normal descriptive statistics. But I try to take those and be as predictive with them as possible. Yeah. And right. it's a work in progress. Like there's definitely like, there's definitely improvements happening all the time. So yeah. When I brought up Marcel, um, people at home, <laughs> you know, I say it's something that you could teach an eighth grader to do. It's also like functionally in the way that it works incorporating some elements of it you know like the 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 rules i think that are laid out are like three-year averages the most recent are more weighted than the like three years ago yeah. um, a little bit of regression to the mean and a little bit of aging curves and it's like if your system doesn't do that as a bare minimum then right. you're probably doing something wrong now, that's table stakes put, yeah <laughs> yeah you can choose to put just a very tiny amount of each of those things in uh, the marcel the monkey version just like sets some here's some teach your eighth grader level person to do it and you can come up with what you can expect from mike trout now i asked you all this like you do this on a per pa level how do you handle playing time <laughs> So that is a super awesome question. And I tried several different ways to do that this year. And uh, right now I crib playing time from Steamer. Um, just full on, like yep. I grab it. And then when I see things that I think are where I disagree, it's the one place where I will put my own manual adjustments mm -hmm. in. I don't, I don't manually adjust anybody's calculations. I don't manually adjust the rates. Obviously, I don't manually adjust their historical <laughs> yeah, right. raw data because right. obviously that would be silly. But I will manually adjust playing time. There's a good example of one, which is um, I became convinced uh, after talking to people throughout the preseason that Adalberto Mondesi would be hitting in the bottom half of the Royals lineup. As it is right now, he's not hitting anywhere. But it does look like now that the very end of spring that he was probably locking in right around that that the the two hole and and so. But I had adjust because I believed based on the numbers that Steamer was expecting that level of uh, placement in the lineup for him and projecting that number of PAs. And I thought, nope, I don't agree. I'm going to do some calculations and basically dial that back um, by a proper rate. Just doing a little research on sort of how lineup position affects uh, PAs per game and stuff like that. And it dropped his his counting. Obviously, his rate stats, you know, his average have stayed the same, but but it dropped the uh, stolen bases from like fifty six to you know, something in the forties or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, th that may have ended up being a, an incorrect assumption, but that's the kind of place where I will, you know, put in my own sort of two cents on it. Um, I really want to figure out how to do PT myself, but that is, I think, and I think anybody doing projections in fantasy baseball will will agree. That's like the hardest place to yeah, yeah. to figure it, it out. And this is something I've screamed into the void myself quite a bit about um, on the value side. Um, so, I mean, I had tried to, I've tried to make my own ERA estimator. Or I've tried to do a bunch of this stuff just because it's a fun thing to do when you're bored and sitting on your couch. Um, and also we're really bad at it is another thing. Um, Sierra is pretty good. I think right. I beat Sierra using a tiny bit of StatCast stuff within about mm. half an hour of screwing around. Um, because publicly available statistics are generally not very good. Uh, right. Because all of that like physics e stuff that is like tangentially related to statcast is just so good. But you know, like all that aside, like that stuff's really hard to do, right? <laughs> um, how to value it is like a whole separate thing. And and I just like to say like playing time's impossible. Um, <laughs> it actually turns out, you know, like I mean, so you've done a lot of the z scores e sort of stuff. Yep. You know, like that that just eats up your season end totals and like if you projected a guy for 120 versus 145 games like that can swing someone's value way more than how good you think oh, yeah. they are mm -hmm. um, absolutely 
and so I'm not going to like totally derail that us and just talk about how like people should be doing C scores. Um, cause I can do that and I don't want to, uh, <laughs> because I think the more interesting questions are, you know, our drafts are over. Right. Um, right. and I'm kind of curious. So you're doing a lot of this on like the betting side. How much of that happens for you? Like on a more daily basis or like how much are you like looking at stuff that's happening as the season actually starts up? Yeah, Stomper is not, it's not in a position yet where I feel kind of any kind of confidence in daily, in daily uh, projections. I've looked at kind of how to do that. Um, I don't feel like I fully grasp all the nuance of like oh, what needs God. to go yeah. into, you know, <laughs> the opposing pitcher and the weather and all the different things that you do. Like for, you mentioned the bad X, I'm, I'm a proud subscriber of Mr. Cardi's uh, uh, projections oh, on a daily yeah, level. And, and yeah, and it's, it's impressive the, the things that go into it. Um, that is sort of, I would say that's, you know, an eventual kind of goal is to get to that level of sophistication, but, uh, but it's definitely not there yet. And so at this point, my plan for in-season work on Stomper is actually doing a little bit more of an overhaul on some of the um, actual code base and, and getting it to be a little more robust and giving me more opportunities to um, play around with playing time and try to try to crack that nut basically. So yeah, the work as far as like Stomper's um uh projection set is not running anymore. Like it has a, a nightly task where it will, you know, try to grab more recent uh, estimates mm-hmm. or any kind of injury news or whatever and rerun the statistics. That's not happening anymore. <laughs> um they are locked in essentially for the season. So I don't do like rest of season stuff or anything like that. Although I I probably could, I just don't have it set up to do that. So yeah. So I we uh, we really have touched on on really what our central question is here, but I'm going to kind of say it explicitly. This is uh, the segment that we do, kind of the guiding question as to uh, that we're trying to answer with all of this information and this data, and and realistically for fantasy players, this is about using projections to get an edge, um, and this could be uh, in drafts, which obviously have now draft seasons ended. Um, it could be in, in the middle of uh, the year, like, you know, hey, this guy versus that guy, I'm trying to pick up somebody off waivers. Uh, what's the deal here? Who do I want to keep? Who do I want to maybe drop? Um, but there's also other elements here, and, and uh, Alexander was touching on it, that I think we can expound upon, which is the DFS stuff and uh, the betting stuff. Because I think what's unique there, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, because this is definitely not my area of expertise, um, and I want to give you space <laughs> to share what you know about it. Um, but the, the goal there is a little bit different, right? When, when you're building a team for season long fantasy, you're thinking about roster construction, you're thinking about stat categories, uh, and not, not that those things don't matter in a, say a DFS play, but you're looking where you can do that in a way that's different from the crowd. Um, if you, if everybody has the same lineup, it might be a great lineup, but you're not differentiating yourself. If you're making a bet that is low on the money line. That's great, but you're not. That's not where you're making cash, right? So um, maybe take this in whichever direction you want, uh, Steve. But I, I think that thinking about how we can use projections, and even if Stomper is not going to be continuing to do uh, rest of season stuff, how other systems that do might be useful in in these kinds of uh, applications. Yeah, I think that. I think projections for any of this stuff, whether it's for your season long fantasy, for your DFS, for your betting, like a projection system is always a starting point, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that, um, at the very base level you need, you need as a player or a better to have your expectation of what the individual players on the field are going to do. Right. And even if you, even if you're not someone who's like really quote unquote buys into projections per Mm se, you're still going to have essentially the same thing in your head, you're going to be thinking about, well, you know, uh, 
if I really want, you know, strikeouts, uh, am I going with uh, Clayton Kershaw or am I going with Garrett Cole? Well, Cole's got a better history of, of you know, more IP through a season, like whatever. Like, so if season long, like, you're still doing that a little bit, right? Like yeah. you're not drafting uh, uh, Freddie Freeman for steals. Like, you know I mean? There's like <laughs> things like that. So even if you're not, um, even if you're not really buying into the projections per se, you're still doing some of that yourself. And so really it's a starting point, um, to, to kind of give you a baseline for that. And I think for most people, you know, you mentioned like DFS roster constructions being a whole thing. That's like a whole, I mean, how much, how much time you have, right? Because, and, and, and not only that, like it's, 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 it's just, it's different when you're doing like GPP tournaments versus cash games. Like, you know, differentiation just doesn't matter as much in a cash game or a double up or 50, 50, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so this is, there's all kinds of concerns, but, but regardless, you're got to project performance somehow you have to come up with how you think, uh, whether it's someone you're just trusting a system that you believe is accurate or you're mixing them or like, uh, Alexander mentioned ATC is something where they aggregate, mm -hmm. you know, different systems with some intelligence as to weights and whatnot, whatever it is, you know, you're, you've got to project performance somehow, right. or, or how do you know who to roster? Right. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it really is a starting point. You, you also can't take it as gospel and say, well, this is what's going to happen because nobody knows what's going to happen, right, right. especially when it comes you to, need to, play to daily games. betting or, <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to DFS or daily betting because baseball is such a game of variance and such a game of, of, of happenstance. I think I mentioned to somebody uh, recently on Twitter, we were talking about variance and, and DFS uh, football versus baseball. And it's like, you know, you play DFS baseball. Uh, an 0 for 4 game from Mike Trout is absolutely within the realm of possible right, outcomes. Right, right, right. There's never a day that that's, quote, impossible. How often are you going to get a goose egg out of Alvin Kamara? Yeah, right. Right? right. In a week? Like, you're just not going to get a zero. You might not get a great performance, right. but you're not getting a zero. You know? Yeah, and that's yeah, the kind of thing that makes I, I it I find such a uh, baseball DFS to be much, much more difficult to try and uh, to try and play. I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert on either one, but I, I, I will play DFS football I uh, I don't touch DFS baseball. There's too many people out there that, that know the system way better than me, and uh, I'm just donating money to them if I play. So I, I think it's right. it's really uh, it's really interesting though, and I think that the getting at the heart of it, right? I can complain about losing my money, but I think that you're really talking about the reason that it happens, and and that's that's the stuff that we like to talk about is is understanding the the how we get there, the why. Um, and, and I think you make a great point. At, at any given night, Mike Trout could go 0 for 4. Somebody that you're paying way right. up for is just not going to perform that night. And that happens all the time in baseball. Um, whereas mm -hmm. in football, you're, it, I think the variance is a little bit less. Um, so that's an excellent point. Uh, Alex, you have run uh, numbers as well. You do uh, your auction system, your auction value calculator. How do you think that these... these uh, the topics, the, the questions we're asking here compare in the system that you created versus the system that Steve has. So I think that we can kind of talk about how they're like complementary-ish. If I wanted to, I'm sure I could run out and go grab all of um, Steve's projections and like run him through my like script I have mm -hmm. and spit out some stuff. <laughs> and, and basically what's going to happen is that like um, if we compare the differences in ADP, like it'll almost always just be kind of like a regression to the mean on playing time is kind of like the thing that happens in <laughs> ah. my system um because basically the the tldr and how it works is it uh figures out how valuable someone is per start um mm -hmm. rather than uh, per season and runs the z scores on like mm. someone's per start projection um so that um if you're projecting 
Alberto Mondesi to hit in the two spot, but only play 115 games. Well, he might be really valuable mm-hmm. when he plays, but you know, won't be on your lineup. A lot of the ways that a lot of season long stuff works though, is um, they assume implicitly and not even on purpose that you never set your lineups because if you just count up totals and run Z scores for totals. Well, you assume that your lineup spot that you're getting from Jordan Alvarez and apparently in your system, you're assuming he's going to play, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, Whereas, (laughs) and and that's the thing is that you're, you're basically correctly assuming I'm sure that he's going to play a lot. Um, and I say correctly in that you just shouldn't try to bake in a big playing time loss to someone because if you do, you're just like kneecapping them. Um, Interestingly, you chose the Raider, like with Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even do it. I promise. Yeah. It's like ESPN Player Raiders 2019 end of year standings had Jordan Alvarez and uh, Leary uh, Garcia um, as the same value despite Jordan playing half as many games mm-hmm. uh, and racking up like basically the same totals in terms of like how their weights right. work. Right. And I think one of the things that we should probably learn from these sort of like DFS outlook is that if someone's really good per game, they're really valuable, even if they're not playing all of the time. Uh, well, you have a much like, better kind of idea like... that day whether they're playing, right? You can you can be a lot more confident in playing time mm-hmm. with DFS lineups because it's like 100% or 0%. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, also... Outside of an in-game injury, yeah, sure, right, yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, you like think, like, you know, so Brandon Nimmo's going to bat eighth. Um, today, he's facing a lefty. He'll face a lefty against later. So, like, whenever you listen to this podcast, just imagine he's facing a lefty today and he's batting <laughs> eighth. Um, but, right, he's... I, I'm not going to start him on my road on the either, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I try to do is I try to follow people who play different formats than me because um, it teaches mm-hmm. me about players that I'm not going to be having on my radar because they're going to be really good sometimes. And then that sometimes for like a roto guy like me is important because I can just drop someone I don't care about and go pick up. Um, I don't know. Some I, I guess there's going to be some days where Andrew Vaughn's going to go really really off <laughs> in some redraft <laughs> leagues this year, uh, and some people are probably going to hold him. So I'm looking who's Andrew Vaughn but without the hype. <laughs> I don't know. That's why you give him my <laughs> you know like a, a righty who's not always going to play. He might be on like a weak side of a platoon or like just not bat very high. Who'll move up in the order or start. Right. And a lot of people I follow who do DFS, they're like, oh, yeah, here's that guy. It's Mitch Moreland or yeah, whoever. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I don't I think one of the things, though, that I'm really curious for you, Steve, to kind of throw this back in another direction is like, you know, like, so you obviously are seeing some people through some new light because of your projection system. Kind of like any other mm-hmm. ways you end up like differentiating from your, yourself from the crowd because of like any other like weird formats or just any other sort of things that you're like putting on your radar that kind of like put players through a fresh set of eyes so you're not just like looking at them from ADP? Well, it's funny. So I, I play kind of, I play like three different styles of game. And so they're sort of, but they're sort of bucketed because they don't, they don't really, um, they don't really overlap much, right? So I play mostly like season long Roto on like NFBC. And that's a particularly, like that's a large active roster, very small reserves, weekly lineup changes, bi-weekly for, for batters, but like weekly for pitchers. So, you know, you can't, you don't have necessarily that flexibility, uh, uh, you know, of just any given day right, sort right. of dropping something or whatever. But then I also play DFS, which obviously is only <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, and I don't do that every day. I, I sort of pick particularly large slates or do, you know, that kind of whatever. Um, and then, and then in addition to all that, I play simulation ball, uh, at a site called score sheet. And that's a completely different ball game because they defense matters. There's defensive ratings, um, but defensive, (laughs) but well, but here's the thing, (laughs) defensive projections don't matter because the players are basically assigned a defensive rating by the game, uh, (laughs) based on past performance. So, you know, going in like, you know, 
this like like Kevin Kiermeyer is the best outfielder defensively in baseball because he has like a two dot two two, which is it's sort of some kind of I think it's a run prevention. I don't know. The little number means something, but the point is the the higher it is, it's basically, yeah, the higher the number, the better the defender is basically, you know, you end up learning that. Yeah. And so, you know, there's people like Adalberto Mondesi, who's like this sort of, um, polarizing figure in the roto world this preseason and you know, Oh, the batting average is terrible. Oh, but he's going to steal. Oh, but he doesn't do this. He does that. Oh, there's whatever. In score sheet, he's a monster because he's also fantastically good defensively. So mm-hmm. you kind of don't question it, right? So there's the, the now that's maybe not useful in other formats, but it does mean needing to look at players um, in a different light. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier is always one of my favorite um, examples because he is an absolute afterthought in most rotisserie formats. He's just not going to produce much for you either way from a, from the bat. But his glove's so good, he's playing every single day. Yep. And in a system that cares about defense and in which he is the number one defensive outfielder in baseball, he, you know, it, it, it doesn't make up entirely for the fact that his hitting is kind of cruddy, <laughs> um, but it certainly bumps him up and he becomes like this, you know, specialist. either major trade chip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He becomes this like major trade chip or, or draft target or whatever. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, a big part of it is knowing your format, you know, and I think that. I think one of the most especially things is I don't play a lot of head-to-head anymore. I used to. Uh, That's kind of how I got started. I think a lot of people, because I came from fantasy football into fantasy yep, baseball exactly. years and years ago. And in football, obviously head-to-head is king. Um, and in baseball, I never quite enjoyed that as much. I found it a little too, little, that variance uh, yeah. ends up <laughs> screwing you over a little too much. But if you play head-to-head, um, I think kind of, Alexander, this is kind of what you were talking about just a bit ago. It's like you can't necessarily look at just the season-long sort of you know production projections because it doesn't necessarily matter what over 150, 160, whatever games that somebody plays they're going to do. You're kind of a little more interested in, well, no, when they're playing, what are they going to do? And how, you know, how much are they going to play? That matters. But really, as long as you've got enough people to swap in and out and your league has permissive enough sort of like capabilities to, to let you change up your lineup, you're really more interested in what they do when they're playing. Um, and that is a very different thing, I think, in a lot of ways than like a season-long roto score. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let me ask you this question because it all kind of comes back to those projections and those numbers and what you think somebody's going to be based off of what they've done in the past. How do you handle uh, rookies or, or people who are one, two years in the league who maybe don't have the depth of um, uh, existing data that you can use as a kind of a, a backbone yeah. there? So let me take you on a journey. Uh, because <laughs> I started off do, trying to figure, you know, trying to answer this question a couple of years ago when I first started putting Stomper together and it was, it was rough. Um, so the first couple times I basically, I honestly just literally took like the MLB league average for like everybody who played and just applied that wherever I didn't have stats for people. Okay. This is just notably really quickly the way that Marcel the monkey tells you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I've also and given it's, up. Right. It's terrible. It's, it's awful. Like it, gives, it gives you very, very bad numbers and, and and it completely ignores uh people like you know like Luis Robert or somebody who we know is like you know gonna come up and gonna do you know a couple of years ago like he's gonna be somebody you right, don't just right. want to pretend like he's gonna be a 4a guy that's coming off the bench or something right? that just doesn't help you so then I try to figure out I went from that sort of you know methodology to to okay well what if I just looked at like the most fantasy relevant players took the averages of those and then sort of applied that when I could well that ended up turning guys who had no business being in major league baseball into looking like they were going to be everyday regulars. Yeah. That wasn't quite right either where I've settled on now. And what I think is at least fair to the players is um, basically I, I just take their, their um, I take their minor league statistics 
I uh, have a base sort of conversion uh, to MLB stats. It basically just reduces pro project production um, for everything from, from playing time to everything, like whatever, just kind of does adjustments all along um, based on, you know, is it double A, is it triple A? Uh, and then everything under double A is sort of in one bucket. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also look at that player's age relevant, or, you know, as it relates to the average age of that level and the younger that they were when they performed, they get a little boost. They sort of get back some of those statistics and it becomes closer to what we would call like major league equivalent, right? A guy who is um, 19 raking in triple A, I'm probably just going to treat it just as if he was playing in the bigs because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. obviously that's a talent, right? You know, that yeah, kind right. of thing. Whereas a guy who's 27 and killing it in double A is going to have everything reduced yeah, yeah. real strong <laughs> because you better be killing it in double A if you're right, even playing right. at 27, right? So that's where it is now. And it's, it's not really where I want to be. I think where I'd like to get to is more of a Picota style similarity score to really try and find players who are like the players that I'm trying to project. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, not that I want to like overhaul the whole system to, to handle that, but if I could do that in even a small way, um, just to try and, and fill in some holes. But for now, I think doing this where the minor league stats are sort of discounted based on level and then bumped back up based on player age seems to be pretty fair. And the, the guys who are the hot prospects, they end up looking pretty good. The people you've never heard of, you know, cause I actually project over 2000 players wow. in Stomper. Um, and so, yeah, there's plenty of guys yeah. out there that you just... <laughs> don't know who they are and they don't really look all that special like you know so yeah i'm sure you're really excited to figure out what the projections are going to say about uh ryan mckenna who is going to make his <laughs> debut for the orioles uh because of an austin hayes injury uh, but that's like ultimately uh, not the point right um i'm sure for a, for a lot of people i don't know i'm excited to see what happens <laughs> he was good for me and out of the park sometimes <laughs> yeah i only so mckenna um actually projected to a 273 average but only over 12 plate appearances over three games so extrapolate that <laughs> yeah. out and um you know maybe he ends up doing all right yeah. yeah yeah i mean i feel like there's there's a lot of like the the whole bit of like doing projections is like at some point paul goldschmidt's not the point right um but <laughs> you know because it's like yeah like we kind of get it he's gonna be pretty good he might i mean the, the changes he made last year are really interesting in terms of like changing his swing grades but like at some point the dude who you know about is not where you make your money on a draft mm -hmm. either right mm -hmm. uh so like right. i'm kind of curious then like your system obviously has to have things it cares about do you do you run things a little differently for guys who have barely played like does anything change in terms of how things get weighted do you trust some things earlier than others or? at at this point no i think that um i want to do more research into which skills sort of peak at which ages and sort of take a little bit more of a look at at that um at this point a lot of stuff gets treated sort of um evenly across the board uh um just because that's where it's at um but i do think that you know they're 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 if i think if i look enough there will be uh parts, you know, elements of power or of speed or whatever that, um, you know, will be more predictive for young players and for players with, especially thinking about players where I have mostly minor league statistics for, um, because, you know, the base paths don't get longer uh, and guys <laughs> right. don't tend to get a lot slower when they come up, you know, at least not when they're young still. Um, and so some of that stuff will translate more directly than other stuff, right? Obviously batting average, BABIP, yep. these kinds mm -hmm. of things, will be affected significantly by the, the competition you're playing against. Um, whereas, you know, something like a stolen base, I don't know if, you know, I'd have to look into it, but that's what I'm going to look at is like, is the raw number 
more predictive? Is the rate that's you know, sort of stolen bases by caught stealing, you know, ratio, is that more predictive or is that really influenced by the talent of the catchers and the infielders and that kind of thing? So that's where I, I definitely is kind of like another, like a next step for the system is to find the places where things can appear more predictive and really lean into that. Um, Cause for right now it's, it's pretty much treated across the board. And like I said, once I, once I sort of settled on this way of treating the players who don't have three seasons of major league experience, um, this felt, it, it felt better. You know I mean? Some of, some of it is sort of just passing the sniff test and, and uh, you know, right. do these numbers look at all reasonable? Sure. Um, Alexander, so. how do your auction values account for those same sorts of things? Um, so yeah, I, um, I feel like one of the things that I'm always going to do whenever I see like a rookie, I'm like, I know as a result that someone's, um, numbers can be really weird. Um, you know, it's like, there was a couple years ago. I remember when Elio was coming up, um, oh, steamer in particular had like a three thirty. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, Go ahead. Um, carry on. Yeah, yeah. Eloy had like a 330 uh, projection for batting average from Steamer because like <laughs> that's just like what they had translated his minor league stats because his minor league stats were like, I don't know. Um, I don't know if there were words to re- <laughs> to like describe just how ridiculous the translations were. Um, and as a result, like if you threw those stats blindly and without kind of like even like a, a rudimentary understanding of why the numbers come back the way they do, you'd be really shocked to figure out that like, yeah, if you just click go on the Fangraphs auction calculator, Eloy comes up as like a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. Now I think there, his value got cut, like again, like um, cut down a little bit by the fact that he wasn't playing a whole lot immediately. Right. So they like kind of like assumed that he was going to come up a little bit late or something like that. Uh, but still like you can like, Oh, you can see like the amount of money they were projecting to come off his batting average. Whenever I see something like that, like I typically I'm going to run um like by choice ATC first, just cause I kind of believe that they're not going to be doing anything too wild on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, again, my goal here is going to be so much different than someone who's attempting to figure out where they disagree on purpose. And I think that that really is informative of like, you know, like if someone's trying to do something differently, you should try treat the data they're producing a little bit differently. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I'm always looking for like what's what's a little bit systemically weird for like an entirely different reason. Uh, you know, like a, a fun thing this this offseason was that the Bad X um, thinks that the Reds are going to win the World Series implicitly through their stats. It seems. <laughs> um, I mean, it, so far this season they haven't seemed too wrong, I guess. But um, basically, like, <laughs> barrels and Great American Barrel Park are friends. Yeah, and there are going to be some right. barrels produced by those Reds and. There's going to be a whole lot of friendship had, it seems. <laughs> um, and as a result, like, if you just throw Eugenio Suarez into, like, the Fangraphs auction calculator using Bad X, you're going to get back, like, a $30 player in some formats. And so I'm out there looking for, like, okay, in what ways can I distrust this? And in what ways can I trust this? Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of just view a lot of the, the sort of, like, number translations I'm doing differently than Fangraphs is kind of just, like, okay... I want to see if I can eliminate playing time as a factor and then just look at talent a little bit more is, is what it's what right, happens. Right. It's kind of like, I just know that ends up being their end result for most people. Um, and um, as a result, like I, I end up like for anyone who I know that I like can't trust how well we know someone's talent. I'm really, really, really willing to like just read everything I can. That's more qualitative to kind of like, compensate and be like, okay, this guy sounds like Gavin Lux sounds like he's going to be more like this guy mm-hmm. when he comes up. Um, I don't know. One of the other fun tools I created is like, uh, like a punch in your own stats calculator. 
I don't know why there's not more of those things in the market. They seem like it'd be a really obvious thing to me. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, I think Galvin Lux is going to go 22 and 17 with 67 RBI and um, <laughs> 75 runs scored over 120 starts and this many PA, right? With this batting average. And then be like, okay, this is what someone is roughly assuming based on this talent level. And I just I take that for every prospects writer I can. And I, I get back a bunch of different dollar values. But I think the big, 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 big takeaway is always like, if we know we're going to be wrong, it's just kind of interesting to know what kinds of wrong we can be. And, um, you know, the end result is of my teams end up being um, full of guys who are projected to play 145 games instead of 150 um, because I think they are always undervalued. And then um, full of other guys with some weird quirks that get them to be like a little bit hated. I, I get a little bit too much Byron Buxton on my team, if you will. <laughs> well, he's, uh, he's been okay, except he's, he's a little under the weather these days. Um, I think it'll pull through. Uh, yeah, I, I need yeah. to make it. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the good and, and the bad uh, here in in both of your systems in in terms of biggest hits and misses. And I'm going to ask you to talk about the your your victory laps first. Uh, we should celebrate the places <laughs> where you've you've been right, um, and then and then maybe places where you know somebody surprised you and underperformed, and maybe why. I think that's the biggest thing, and that's kind of what Alexander was talking about. There is um, when we miss do we understand why and can we bake that into trying to um, not miss that same way with somebody else that's similar? Uh, but talk about your victories first. Let's talk about uh, your biggest hits, people that uh, that you've kind of identified as being separate from the pack who've then gone on and done that. My Yeah, my issue is that this is only the second season Stomper has been out in any, anything like this format and last year was such a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's bizarre yeah. <laughs> scenario. I don't really have a good victory lap. I, uh, I guess that I was mentioned at one point like uh before we started that uh stomper really loved matt olson last year and uh maybe if it hadn't been such a bizarre yeah. year and you know he would have done better but that's clearly a miss so uh no i have i i have uh several hits from my my other projection system the the betting projection system but uh stomper is still naive and, and immature enough that uh, i'm waiting for its first big hits right. i feel like looking forward I feel like I will be claiming uh, uh, Jordan Alvarez and Charlie Morton as a couple of my guys for this year. So if they end up hitting, I'm going to go ahead and, and take some some laps on their performances. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, so far so good with Alvarez. Um, yeah, Alexander, with your system, what are some? I, I know you've been tweaking it too, but let's let's maybe not talk about. Um, uh, hits and misses in the past because it's also new. Who are some of the people that you think it, it spit out that are you're going to be able to take those victory laps on later on? Um, it, it's a little bit all over the place because I feel like I'm doing a lot of really weird stuff in terms of not owning any of the guys that I really love. Uh, most <laughs> of them are on the pitching side that I like. I feel like I, I personally love. They're like separate from my projections. So I'm going to like just kind of punt on the pitching question. Uh, it's like that's where I actually am going to make my um my losses and that I really love uh, Walker Bueller and I'm going to be wrong on him somehow. But in terms of like the hitter stuff, like who I think is like over and undervalued, I'm like, um, one Otani. Um, I, I wrote some stuff last year and my stuff continues to spit it out. If Otani is just like not exceptional as a pitcher and is just like who he has been as a hitter, he can be worth 40, $50 mm -hmm. like in, in leagues that let you use him every day, according to how he's being used. Right. Um, like we're talking like he doesn't have to peak to be a first round talent in ESPN and some fan tracks leagues. Um, I went out and bought both sides of him in, in a couple of Yahoo leagues also. And I'm like, 
I mean, he's not as valuable when you combine him. Basically, part of the value is that you get an extra roster spot. But still, like, I think that Hitter Otani in daily moves Yahoo leagues should be worth 15, 20 bucks. Um, he, like, looks like he's Christian Yelich as a hitter. And it's um, really important to know that. Because one of the things I'll do is I'll go back and I'll adjust and take out all of his pinch hit stats. And you figure out, like, okay, how much has he been on a per start mm-hmm. basis? Because, like, his. His totals look less impressive when you realize that he pinch hit like 20 times uh, in 2019. Uh, he played, he had like 80 starts, like something like that. Um, and, you know, in 2020, he was hurt. So, like, uh, Shohei Otani is like the guy I am the most in on anywhere. Um, and, like, a lot of the other ones are more just like dudes I'm out on. And as a result, I end up with a bunch of guys. So, like, I'm really out on uh, Paul Goldschmidt, actually, because I tend to think that all the projection systems just assume he's going to play a lot and he looks really good in his titles, but his per game production actually isn't good because it's really, really terrible to play for the Cardinals. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's not good. Don't, don't play for the Cardinals. If you can avoid it. <laughs> um, and yeah, in, in terms of other stuff, like as a result, um, I feel like I'm pretty in on a couple guys on like the second base side, but then like I push them down. Uh, so like I'm in on Brennan Lau, um, but like, yeah, the, the other thing is just like catchers. I, I'm a big on like just get a good catcher early because that's what the numbers say you should do because that's like the one position you can't roster a second catcher or you shouldn't if you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, Yasmani Grandal, I have him everywhere. He's going to play a lot. Yeah, it's it's just like a, it's just a value play. I don't even think he's going to be like exceptionally good. I just think he's going to play 20 more games than everyone else. So, so like yeah just for clarity's sake um, go get the guy who plays more the uh yeah get definitely, <laughs> the guy who plays more makes a lot okay. of sense for clarity's sake here i just want to uh to uh, back you up a little bit the uh, the cardinals hate is driven by ballpark factor am i correct not yeah. just a yeah, yeah. an for, absolute well, for the most part. <laughs> uh hatred of st louis cardinals uh people oh, or yeah, players yeah, yeah. Or, no, yeah okay I, like especially didn't in day games it just seems like a really terrible thing to do yourself like <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think they're going to be okay. Their outfield looks dreadful. Um, their infield looks pretty okay. Uh, but there's going to be a whole lot of um, games where the Cardinals don't put up more than three runs this year. And they'll win mm. some of those games because their opponents also won't be able to hit in those weird shadows <laughs> that happen about four in the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, ask Marcelo Zuna uh, about how much fun it is to hit in the shadows there. And he'll, I think, probably not say anything because I, I don't think he'll ask answer questions for me personally but i was gonna say we'll try and get him on for next week alex we'll just call up his agent um i wanted to mention real quick because alexander mentioned uh second base and i was like if i'm gonna claim a couple more guys i was just looking because i thought there were a few standouts uh and sure enough i look at my second base list and um i just want to so ty france is somebody that uh last uh last time stomper updated the adp was at over 300 still uh and i had him as the 95th overall player and the 11th second baseman um at a a $15 value at auction and then nick madrigal um actually uh, stomper projected for the american league batting title this year so uh those would be two guys that hey if france and madrigal really work out i'll probably claim we'll bring you back so you can definitely do an official victory especially if madrigal gets that batting title if he he wins the batting title i'm gonna be like i'm the only one in the world saying that i think did you uh i don't think i don't think nick madrigal's mom (laughs) so here's the the million dollar question did you did you put any money down on that no, I did not. I'm not uh, not a big futures better uh, prop better. Um, I pretty much like I said when I'm when I'm in it, I stick to like team totals. That's sort of my bread and butter. So, all right. Well, we uh, we're running a little uh, close to the end here, and I, I wanted to ask you. You touched on it before and started talking a little bit about score sheet, but for our off the book segment mm-hmm. here that we're going to do at the end, um, 
tell us more about this. And I know that this is a niche format, uh, but I hear mm-hmm. a lot of, of people talk about score sheet and sim uh, type leagues. And um, I, I admittedly don't know very much about them, but I'm very intrigued by it. And by the time mm-hmm. my intrigue or by the time I get to somebody who might be able to answer that question, I've forgotten that I have it. So while you're here, <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk to just talk to us about uh, about the format, about how it kind of works, yeah. about the pros and the cons, about what it is that keeps you invested in it. So part of what I love about Scoresheet is that, um, so I'm in, uh, they have public leagues and they have private leagues and the public leagues, the really only difference about them is that they're on a set of rules that most of the private leagues actually adhere to as well. Things about how the drafts work, when they happen, there's trading, but there is no fob or waivers in Scoresheet. There are uh, a series of two round drafts that occur each month of the season. So it's like, you know, in April and in May and in June and so forth and so on, you'll have a two round draft that will go, that will actually, not a snake, it goes uh, straight both rounds, but based on the reverse standings of the time. So the worst team gets a chance to pick somebody up and then so forth and so on. Those kinds of rules are set and locked in the public leagues and then, and then fungible in the, uh, in the private ones. So I'm in a private league with some guys uh, from the industry and, and who aren't industry guys, some score sheet regulars, Michael Govier of Palazzo Podcast is in that league with me. Gary Huckabay of Baseball Prospectus mm-hmm. is in there. And then in the public leagues, I play with my dad. <laughs> and he started playing score sheet, uh, I think, in the early 80s and, and has been playing for ages. And back then, they you mailed in your lineup card, literally, to, wow. the, to the guys. They, they lived in Northern California. They would manually put in stuff, print out results, mail them to you on a weekly basis. It was a whole wow. thing. Obviously, it's on the web now. They have scoresheet.com, and they, it's a little more. But it is still kind of funky. There are all kinds of little little idiosyncrasies, the most obvious of which is the first one right, where the defense matters, right? So this is fantasy where your, your team is being simulated in games against other teams. So what that, what that ends up meaning is not only does defense matter because the, the team you put on the field is going to have to essentially react to the hits that are put mm-hmm. into play, Um the the statistics that we tend to care a whole lot about, like runs scored and RBIs and 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 even you know some of stuff, just don't matter nearly as much in score sheet. It's not to say they don't matter at mm-hmm. all, but they're so context dependent um, that they don't tend to matter as much. The things that matter the most for hitters are like OBP and slugging, right? You know how hard are they hitting the ball? How often are they getting on base? Um, stolen bases uh, and really it's a ratio at which you steal. But, but again, you're the pitchers and the catchers have their own uh, sort of rating at their ability to stop stealers. Yeah. Right. So, so there's still something there that isn't going to necessarily line up exactly with how it goes. The things that don't matter at all are like pitcher wins and saves. Um, mm-hmm. I almost never draft a closer in this format. I look for the <sighs> Nick Anderson when he's healthy, right. You know, that, <laughs> that sort of level of guy where it's like, you know, he's, he's a setup man, you know, I think for, for several years, my closer was Darren O'Day because he was the best, like, sort of rate stat guy I could yep, find yep. that was getting regular innings. So it's just, it's a system where, you know, you are building this team, but the team is playing its own game. So what happens in real MLB doesn't translate exactly. What the cool part about it is that you have complete control over that team. So you set a lineup, a batting order. You put players in at their defensive positions. Some players are rated at multiple positions, just like sort of multiple yep. position mm-hmm. eligibility in other systems. Um, they have a handedness, which matters because you can decide uh, as uh, when you when you set up your rotation and your bullpen, when a guy comes in against a righty or against a lefty, how long they should be left in. There's something called the hook number, which is actually, I believe it is, uh, the, you count up one point for every run that for every run they've given up and half a point for every um 
batter on the bases and then a quarter point if the batter is the same handedness as the pitcher. And then when it hits a limit, you tell it, pull this guy. Oh, it's a little yeah. funky, but but it's basically, a, it's a calculated way to decide how long do I want to leave each of these pitchers yep. in? And, you know, you Darvish, Max Scherzer, I might leave them in at very high numbers, five, six, seven, right? I want them, I want to get all their innings, right? right? right. They may end up having some great inning right later. Uh, other, you know, so I've got Matthew Boyd on a team. I have Max Scherzer on. Well, Boyd <laughs> does not have the same hook Scherzer has. <laughs> right. You know, Boyd is about a four and a half. You know, I want to make sure that gets dialed back. Um, but yeah, and then you, you you pick whether or not you want them to bunt in uh, the, the hitters. And if you do, what's the earliest inning they can bunt in? I don't ever let them bunt. That's turned <laughs> off for all of my batters because so, bunting is terrible. I have a question because I yeah. wasn't around when the dinosaurs were on the yeah. earth. Um, <laughs> How is this different from Stratomatic? That's it's just... really not. Really? It's, it's okay. a very similar concept. It's a very similar concept. It is just run by these, these two brothers. The Barton brothers uh, live up near Lake Tahoe in California. And um, it's just something that they they sort of, like I said, they started it where it was literally, you know, email us in. I think, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they ended up running the games on Stratomatic way back in the day and that's how they started but it is it is their own software system now um the rules are slightly different the actual details of like how uh how all of the plays are calculated you know i'm sure is their own thing um yeah but i mean you can pick all kinds you can you know whether a player's allowed to steal or not you give a guy green light or you don't you can choose if they are a pinch hitter or someone to be pinch hit for um you can choose defensive replacements so if you've got somebody like kiermaier who maybe you know maybe a bad example because he's the best defender in the game but if you've got somebody that really is terrible at the plate but is sort of a plus defender you can tell the system well i want them to come in jake marisnik you know, eighth inning or later or something what's that jake marisnik right yeah i mean exactly like there's there's guys that that are gonna only be kind of worth it to you well i want them out in the outfield or in the infield whatever mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. you know in the eighth inning when i have a lead right that's that's when i want them out is eighth and ninth when i have a lead so you just get a ton of control over the system um the downside of it is that it's and if you haven't been able to tell from what I've said, it's incredibly complicated. <laughs> um, it's, it's really quite a lot of work to like set a line up and, and, and understand kind of how it, they set their own platoon splits. And it's basically like whatever the actual like slash line has been, each player has a hard coded plus or minus based against uh, when they're facing righties versus facing lefties. It is a whole kind of stuff. You end up needing tools just to kind of help you fully understand it. But it is kind of addictive, and once you get into it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to pull yourself away. The lobster trap of um, fantasy baseball. A little bit, yeah. It also costs money to play, but you do not win money if you win. It is not like uh, I'm in an auto league like that. That's just like a yeah, twenty dollar kind of buy in, concept. so that they can run their software. And, and you know, these are a little pricier. They're about ninety dollars a team. Uh, but uh, you know, I have a couple of really sweet score sheet trophies and plaques uh, hanging around for my league win. So at least you do get that if you. Well, I, it also but, sounds uh, like like <laughs> the work that goes into it, the payoff of of winning probably is is just as good if not more than you know hey this the, i won 200 bucks for my buddies uh <laughs> i just to amount that i certainly feel like more goes into it right yeah i certainly feel more like ownership over the performance of these score sheet teams i have three of them in three al only leagues because i can't keep track of the national <laughs> league and the al like whatever you know uh but there are crossover players allowed as players move leagues mm -hmm. and then you can have as many minor leaguers as you want and once a guy is drafted into the amateur draft he's available in score sheet and you and i you know i remember years ago uh, uh drafting um Oh God, Tim Beckham, because I think he was like a first or second yeah. overall pick in the amateur draft one year, held on to him for like four or five years and then decided finally, you know, screw it. This is never going to work out. Um, so I think I cut him loose faster than the, uh, than the Rays did. But, uh, yeah, so, um, but yeah, it's a really great, great system, a lot of fun, but it's incredibly 
complicated and sort of a lot of very detail oriented yeah yeah definitely <laughs> sounds sounds the part <laughs> indeed yeah. uh well that is actually going to bring us to the end of our episode steve thank you so much for being a part of this we are going to have to make sure to bring you back real real soon uh, but before we let you go, we want to make sure that you have plenty of space here to uh, tell us where where pe- people can find your work, um, what uh, sites and Twitter handles and all that. Plug your stuff. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Steve Paulo. Last name is P-A-U-L-O. Uh, I not only talk baseball, but I talk about like wine and Disneyland and <laughs> politics and movies and music and all kinds of crap. So just join me there. Uh, I write uh, the occasional updates at Rasball, so you can find me at Rasball.com. And then my projections are at StomperProjections.com and TomeyProjections.com. That's like Jim Tomey, T-H-O-M-E. Um, and I'm always building more and more stuff and, and, and we'll always plug it when it's out there. So yeah all right well thanks again for being here with us thanks to all of you at home for listening um alex could you tell the people where they can find us well they can find you on twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already leave us a good review if you can be so kind and if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.